Today, we have a question from a listener named Max who asks about whether or not Old Testament saints were under the impression that the Mosaic law was achievable by a sinner. Dear Pastor John, hello. I greatly enjoy listening to your resources and have grown in many ways from your deep love of Scripture and knowing the God who breathed it out. I have been reading Deuteronomy. In chapter 30, verses 11 to 14 caught my attention. It states that the commandments in the book of the law are, quote, not too difficult for you, end quote. Thus, because obedience is attainable, they were forbidden from asking this, quote, who will ascend to heaven for us, end quote. Deuteronomy 30, verse 12. That's as anti-Christological as it gets to tell people not to expect someone to ascend to heaven on their behalf. But I'm also aware that Paul uses this passage in Romans 10 verses 6 to 8 to explain righteousness based on faith. Based on the context of the beginning of Romans 10, I'm curious of your thoughts regarding whether God in chapter 30 of Deuteronomy was giving the Israelites the notion that their righteousness would be based on faith or that following the commandments of God perfectly was actually achievable. So achievable, a savior wasn't needed. Pastor John, how would you solve this conundrum for Max? I don't think the Bible anywhere, Old or New Testament, encourages us to believe that perfect obedience in this life is possible. Even where law-keeping was held out in the Mosaic law as required for God's salvation, the sacrifices were put in place precisely because of the inevitable disobedience. Mm. But I would add to this that both in the Old Covenant, the Mosaic Law, and the New Covenant, secured by the blood of Jesus, obedience is required. Only there are two different ways to require obedience. One is this. Salvation by law-keeping requires obedience, indeed perfect obedience, as the basis of our salvation. That's never going to happen. Yeah. If, if we want to try to be saved by law-keeping, Galatians 5.3 says, have at it, and, and you've got to keep the whole law, and it, it isn't going to happen. So salvation by law-keeping is a dead-end street. By the law comes death. Mm -hmm. The other is that salvation by faith also requires obedience, but not as the basis of our salvation, but as the evidence and confirmation of it. Now, here's, here's the most important thing I can do, I think, in answer to or in response to this, this question. Let me see if I can paint the big picture of the Old Testament Pentateuch, because that's going to explain this passage in Deuteronomy. The big picture of the Old Testament Pentateuch, that is the first five books of the Bible, and show the contrast between salvation or righteousness by faith versus salvation or righteousness by law-keeping. In other words, what I want to show is that this tension between righteousness by law-keeping and righteousness by faith is not found just between the Mosaic Law and the New Testament Gospel. So that tension between law and gospel is not just found between Old and New Testament or between Mosaic Law and 
gospel, it's found right here in the Pentateuch itself. (laughs) Genesis at the front end and Deuteronomy at the back end both highlight righteousness by faith. And in between Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, the heart of the Mosaic law highlight righteousness by law-keeping. But both of them treat obedience to God as essential only in two very different ways. Righteousness by law-keeping treats obedience as the basis of our right standing with God, and righteousness by faith treats obedience as the result and confirmation of our right standing with God. So let me illustrate this from Genesis and Deuteronomy. And this will explain, I hope, how uh, I understand the text that he's asking about in Deuteronomy 30. The fundamental statement of righteousness by faith in the Pentateuch is Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Paul makes a big deal out of that text. And then he he says in Galatians 3.17, the law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by law, it is no longer from promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise, namely to be received by faith. And Paul sums up the law that he has in mind when he says the one that comes 430 years later. He sums it up like this in Romans 10.5. Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on law, and then he quotes Leviticus 18.5, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. So Paul contrasts righteousness by faith from Genesis 15.6 with the righteousness through the law in Leviticus. So in the Pentateuch itself, there is the gospel way of righteousness by faith and the law-keeping way of righteousness through the law. But long before law came, Genesis made plain that Abraham's obedience to God was essential, not as the basis of his right standing with God, but as a confirmation of the righteousness that he had by faith. For example, Genesis 26, 4, God says to Abraham, In your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That's the promise that he believed by faith back in chapter 15. And then it says, That will come because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws. In other words, the promise that Abraham had by faith in Genesis 15 is confirmed by his obedience to the law in Genesis 26, as much as God revealed it to him and as much as he knew it. Same thing in Genesis 18, 19, same thing in Genesis 22, 16. Then, After the giving of the Mosaic Law, with its emphasis on righteousness by law-keeping, comes the book of Deuteronomy with the chapter that Max is asking about in in this question. And what I'm arguing is that just as Genesis taught the righteousness by faith, confirmed by obedience, that's what Deuteronomy 30 is about 
as well. And the clearest signal is that in verse 6, you get a prophecy of the new covenant that will be more fully prophesied in Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36, and then fulfilled when Jesus lifts up the cup at the Last Supper and says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. So verse 6 of Deuteronomy 30 says, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that, this is the effect of God's sovereign inner transforming by the Spirit, miracle working, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. Now that, I would argue, that verse, verse 6 of chapter 30, is a description of the righteousness that comes through faith. Why? Because you can't earn this by works because the works are the very thing that the circumcision of heart is making possible. The only way to embrace this promise is by faith. So this is a promise from God that he will put his people right through the blood of the new covenant by faith. So when three verses later we read, the Lord will again take delight in prospering you when you obey the voice of the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, which is a clear echo of the new covenant promise three verses earlier. We see again, just like in Genesis, the necessity of obedience not as the basis of our right standing with God, but the confirmation of it made possible by the circumcision of our hearts, which comes through the blood of the covenant before we can do anything to deserve it ourselves. We can only receive it by faith. Then, finally, (laughs) he was wondering, are you ever going to get to my question? (laughs) Then, finally, comes the passage that Max is asking about. And uh, let me read it. So this is verse 11, two verses later. For this commandment, the one you're obeying now in New Covenant faith, this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. And in Romans 10, Paul sees these verses. He quotes them explicitly in Romans 10, 6 to 8. He sees them as pointing to the righteousness of faith in contrast to the righteousness that comes through law-keeping, which he cited in verse 5. Because he sees, just like we do, that Moses is writing about new covenant reality, things God is going to do sovereignly in the heart of his people through the forgiveness of sins by the work of the Holy Spirit in the days of the Messiah. So, here's my summary. Here's what I think we've seen. Genesis at the front end of the Pentateuch and Deuteronomy at the back end both draw our attention to the righteousness that comes through faith. And sandwiched in between is the Mosaic Law, which came in 430 years after Abraham, and it does not nullify 
what was taught as the righteousness of faith. So in both Genesis and Deuteronomy, obedience to God from faith out of love is required, but not the way obedience is required for the righteousness by law-keeping, not as the basis of our standing with God. Rather, obedience enabled by this new covenant inner work of the Spirit, blood-bought by Jesus in the new covenant, this obedience is required in a new covenant way as the fruit of the Spirit written on our hearts and confirming not creating our right standing with God. That was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot. Oh, my, a lot. And uh, that's what we come to expect, I guess, in this podcast, uh, a lot in each and every episode. Thank you, Pastor John, for investing so much of your time and uh, thought into each episode. And thanks for listening today. If you want new episodes of this podcast delivered to you, subscribe to Ask Pastor John in your favorite podcast app in Spotify or by subscribing to DG's YouTube channel to find other episodes in our archive or to submit a question to us, do that online at desiringgod.org forward slash John. Well, the comforts and the wealth of this Western world that most of us live in can be a blessing and they can be a deadly curse too. So how can we be freed from Western materialism? So important. That question is up next time on Wednesday. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. We'll see you then.